I've, I've got some great news for you this morning. You can belong to the in crowd. You can join the in crowd. Yes? And that's the title of this message, Joining the In Crowd. You know, there are various in crowds that we can belong to. And when I was at school, uh, I belonged to an in crowd. Um, It wasn't the fashion setting in crowd. I've never belonged to that. It wasn't the handsome men and the gorgeous girls uh, club in crowd. I've never belonged to that. Oh. Oh. You don't need to overdo it. (laughs) It wasn't the geek in crowd. Although they were viewed as the out crowd more than the in crowd. Now, it was a football in crowd. Yes, that I belonged to. Uh, so most break times, this is what would happen. We would, the, the football in crowd would pile onto the playground. We'd commandeer about a third of it. We'd put the jumpers down for the goals. And then we'd choose teams and we'd have a match. And, and my favorite thing was dribbling and scoring. Now, it, for those who know nothing about football... It wasn't that I had an overactive saliva gland. <laughs> it's, it's running with the ball at your feet, going past players, and then shooting, and hopefully getting a goal. And, and I would run down to the other goals doing this, punching the air. And you can see I was well into it. And uh, so I was on the football in crowd. But, but when I was 14, I joined the most important in crowd. I joined... The best in crowd that there ever is and ever will be. Uh, the in crowd of God's family. And it, it is an awesome in crowd. God's family, God's kingdom. Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ, had a kind of shorthand for this. And he said, in Christ. Those who are in Christ, those in relationship with Christ, those who know Jesus Christ for themselves. And and he wrote this to a church at Corinth. He said, if anyone is in Christ, in the in crowd, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. That's fantastic, isn't it? Kelly and Anne and Alison are in the In crowd, the in Christ crowd. And Jesus has changed their lives. And and baptism is a visual aid that basically says, I have moved from the sin crowd to the in crowd. Paul also wrote to the church at Rome and, and he said, he said, don't look and long for the sin crowd. Even when you've left it, don't look back. Don't long. Keep looking forward in the in crowd. And he wrote in Romans 6, verses 6 6 to 14, these words. And I'm reading from the message version because I think it is just brilliant in the way that it puts this. So he wrote, so what do we do then? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving I should hope not. If you've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can you still live in an old house there? Or don't you realize we packed up and left there for good? 
That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. A new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks in your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You were dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must give sin a vote. Sorry, you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin cannot tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Isn't that powerful? I just love the way that the message puts that that. Uh, that passage. So we have two main crowds. We have the sin crowd, and, and I want you to imagine that this is the sin crowd. I know there's nobody on here on purpose, but it's a, I want you to imagine that, that this is the sin crowd, and I want you to imagine that this is the in crowd. So there's a line down the middle that separates the two. So we have these two main crowds. We can only belong to one. We have a choice this morning. A choice of being in the sin crowd or the in crowd. So if you imagine behind me, we've got these two countries. On this side, we've got the country where sin is sovereign. On this side, we've got the country where God is sovereign. This is the in Christ crowd. This is the sin crowd. And, you know, some people get very, very offended by the word sin. Some people will be offended by the fact that I've even used that term this morning. 
And it'll almost be like I've punched you. The reality is we've all sinned. Every single person on the planet has sinned. You know, we, we might feel okay because we haven't killed anybody, we haven't raped anybody, we haven't robbed any banks. So we feel we're okay. In the early 1990s, a good friend of mine was talking to his milkman who was paying the bill. And the milkman was extremely cross with the South African government because of their apartheid system. And my friend listened to the milkman rant and rave about the sinful government in South Africa. And then my friend very gently and very quietly said to him, and adulterous. Now, my friend doesn't normally talk like this. But the milkman just suddenly shut up. And the milkman, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, for in that split second, he realized that he was in the sin crowd, as well as the South African government. And he said, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. See, up until that moment, he hadn't seen the light. <laughs> that he too was a sinner. He hadn't mistreated black people through apartheid, but he had mistreated his wife by cheating on her. In our society, we have played down the sin problem. Our society tries to make the sin crowd the in crowd. You see, the reality is you can change the labels, and you can call this the in crowd, and this the out crowd, but the reality is, this will always be the in crowd. You can change the label, but you can't change the truth. The reality. See, basically, sin is love gone astray. Sin is love gone astray. I love to do what I love to do. Yeah? I love to do what I love to do. I love my plan, not God's plan. I love my path, not God's path. I love self-rule, not God's rule. That is sin in a nutshell. I at the center of my life rather than God at the center of my life. So how on earth do we move from this crowd when we realize, yes, that's me. How do we get across to this side? Well, I'm going to have the guy show a clip for me from Indiana Jones and uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I just want one aspect of that film that shows a principle that we need to get hold of if we want to move from the sin crowd to the in crowd. So let's watch.
seen the film and couldn't really see it. <laughs> Indiana Jones was carefully walking through the path and he was saying, the penitent man can pass. The penitent man can pass. And he had to bow or else he'd got his head chopped off. The penitent man is the man who moves from the sin crowd to the in crowd. The penitent woman, the penitent boy, the penitent girl. The definition of penitence from the dictionary, one of the dictionaries is this. Regret for one's wrongdoing or sinning. Remorse, contrition and repentance. Some of the hardest words to say in the English language I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because when you say I'm sorry, you're admitting that you're wrong. You're admitting that you need forgiveness. Right relationships all around the world have been broken because of a refusal to say, I am sorry, please forgive me. Doesn't matter what language you speak it in, it's true for every race, every tribe, every person. It takes humility to swallow our pride like the penitent man and stoop low and say, I am sorry, please forgive me. And there are times when it's on a human level that when we say sorry, we're scared that the other person will not accept our apology and our pain will be deepened. But when it comes to God, we have no such fears. God will never reject you. He will never, as you say, sorry, please forgive me, say, I don't forgive you. He makes a wonderful promise in 1 John 1 verse 9. I think it's probably my favorite verse in the entire Bible, and many of you have heard me say that before. (laughs) If we confess our sin. He is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse because it doesn't say God's going to forgive some of us, some of the things. He's going to forgive all of us, all the things, if we confess. If we confess, he will forgive. No ifs, no buts. So that's why I can say to you this morning, I have an invitation for you to join the in crowd. It's God's invitation. It's not my invitation. God invites you to ask for his forgiveness. God invites you to come into his family, to be his child. Yes, you have to humble yourself and stoop low. I had to humble myself and stoop low. But the mind-blowing thing is that Jesus stooped even lower. You know, when I look at how Lord Jesus had to stoop, it is absolutely mind-blowing. In fact, I cannot get my head around it. First, he had to step down from the perfect environment of heaven and come to this world that is far from perfect. Then he had to let go of the capacity of unlimited power, unlimited knowledge, and become constricted to a tiny frame of a baby, wetting and pooing its nappy. In the household of a very poor family. That is restriction. He was restricted. 
But even more than that, there came a moment when he was falsely accused. There came a moment when the Romans decided that he should be executed, even though he was innocent. The method of execution was the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He died to make a line that we could cross through. See, there is a barrier between the sin crowd and the in crowd. It's sin. The cross is the only point where that barrier is broken. The cross is the only point where we can step from this side to this side. And that's the moment we stoop low. We stoop low at the cross of Jesus Christ and we say, I am sorry for going my way, not your way. I'm sorry for living my life as though you didn't exist. I'm sorry that it's all been me, 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 my plans, what I want to do. And I'm going to lay that down. I'm going to accept your forgiveness. See, the amazing thing that happens when we do that is we get a clean heart. We get a clean heart. You know, I don't think there's anything that compares with that. You know, as a 14-year-old lad, I hadn't done any major crimes. But I had lied. I had sworn. I'd been deceitful. And the list could go on. I was guilty. And I had to humble myself. And I didn't want to humble myself. I really didn't. I fought it for about two years. I did not want to do that because I wanted to do it my way. And there came a moment where I bowed and said, God, I will do it your way. And as at the cross, I was unable to move across that line and become in the in crowd, the in Christ crowd, the in God's family crowd. It was awesome. I got a clean heart. What a difference. A new environment. But I made a mistake for the first four years. And it could be that you're on the in crowd, but you're looking back at the sin crowd. Alison, Anne and Kelly, you will be tempted to look back to the in crowd the sin crowd, you will. Every single person in this room who has moved to the in crowd will be tempted to look back to the sin crowd. One of Paul's great co-workers, a a guy called Demas, I, I read Paul writing a letter to Timothy and his heart is breaking and he says, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. See, for four years, I tried to have a foot in both of these. You know, I, I'd got in the in crowd, but I wanted to also dip back into the, the sin crowd. And, and I was kind of trying to walk the line. Let me tell you, you cannot walk the line. You cannot walk the line. And in fact, it is the most unsatisfying line in the world. Because you've tasted that God is good, you know that he's good, and then you're trying to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And you're tasting that God is good, and you're trying to enjoy the pleasures of sin, and you enjoy neither. So do not walk the line. 
So the challenge that I, I want to, to bring to you is, uh, we saw a sign when we were in Naples recently, and there was a line between us and the alligators, and this sign that's coming up now was the warning sign. Basically, it's saying is if you cross the line, you're going to get hurt. You are going to get hurt. I want to say it to you loudly and clearly. If you're on this side of the line and you're dipping back into this side, you will get hurt. You will get hurt. God sent Moses to rescue his people from Egypt. They were in slavery. They were being beaten. They were having a terrible time. And God rescued them. And not only did they escape, but they took with them a lot of loot. And then a few months later, the grumbling and the complaining. And they're saying this, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now there is nothing at all except this manna. They'd forgotten the slavery. They'd forgotten how bad it was. They'd forgotten that in that environment they were slaves. This side of the line is slavery to sin. This side of the line is freedom in Jesus Christ. In closing, I, I just want to give opportunity to choose. Give opportunity to choose to say, I've been looking back. I'm, on the, I'm in the in crowd, but I've been trying to walk the line and I've been looking back. And today I choose to turn my gaze away from the temptation of sin. From the pleasures of sin. I'm going to turn my back on that. And I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to live in this sovereign land of grace where God is king. The kingdom of light, not look back to the kingdom of darkness. If that's you, I want you to respond in a few moments. It might be that you've never left this land, and it might be that you're quite angry with me this morning for even daring or daring to say that you might be a sinner. It is a hard truth, but it's the truth. If you went to the doctor and you had a cancerous growth, and it was going to kill you unless you had an operation. And the doctor says, I don't believe in cancer. It doesn't exist. That wouldn't be a kind doctor, would it? The reality is the poison of sin is the greatest poison on the planet. And it will kill you eternally. So this morning, I have the courage to talk plainly. Because God loves you. God loves you. And he's given you an invitation.